Well, Magneto, it was a wooden gun. A wooden gun? <laughs> you tricked me with a wooden gun. <laughs> Hello and welcome. You've stumbled into a podcast called We Love Lists yet again, and uh, welcome. We still love lists. I still love lists, at least. Terrence, how about you? I love lists. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go there. I I still love lists. You know what two other things I love? What do you love? Cartoons and superheroes. And today we're going to be talking about both. Excellent. Um, Now, I want to clarify terms before we get started. So. There is the new show Modoc. I struggle to call it a superhero cartoon, depending as, on your definition of Modoc. As long as the main characters are the intellectual property of a comic book originally, then we can count it. So then we say, okay, we're doing comic book shows, but it's like, no, not Riverdale. No, I know Archie's a comic. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know there's a Sonic the Hedgehog comic. That gets too broad. So superhero, superhero-centered comic universe cartoons. Yes. Two uh, D. <laughs> yes. The actually no two D or three D. Modoc's three D. <laughs> Can we talk about the animation of Modoc real quick? What do you think of that? This is exactly what I was thinking about talking about when I was watching it. So obviously Robot Chicken inspired, but the big difference I noticed is they have articulate mouths. They actually have lips. Like, it's part of the model. Robot Chicken slaps on a flat mouth to every model. That's one of the big differences. I think it's, it works so well. Like, I, I, it would not be nearly as good if Modoc was not in 3D. Like, Modoc needs to be grotesque. Yes. And the 3D is, like, a great way to make it grotesque. Well, also, like, at the same time, like, the daughter is somehow, like, still... A person like you forget she's kind of modoc <laughs> you really do yeah you f- <laughs> she just has like regular teenage daughter episodes um but yeah the, the modoc like you you need to see the depth of the creases in his forehead yes now if 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 nothing else he is a giant face on a very <laughs> on a very small robot so you know well then, how do you how do you feel about Robot Chicken? See, Robot, Robot Chicken's art. Something like that, I don't mind so much, just because I have no standard for it. Like I know who Modok is coming into this, even if like you know you're gonna make a joke out of Modok and it's great. Like I, you know, Robot Chicken made most of those. Th- besides, you know, the obvious like pop culture guys, but. I don't know. I the the pop culture guys look good enough compared to their original characters. So I I like it. I don't mind it. You yeah. you get much more um animation turns you off from shows much more than it does I. Like I I can stomach a lot. I can stomach relatively bad animation. <laughs> Absolutely. Um Big Mouth and Brickleberry come to mind where like just the animation itself makes me not want to watch it really. No, it is, it is gross, but at the same time, 
at least, you know, and there's very few good things you can say about Brickleberry, but I do give it the crudeness of the drawing kind of brings out the crudeness and shittiness of anything that's being said on that show. So I applaud that. So I I like Robot Chicken quite a bit, and I think Robot, like, obviously Modoc and Robot Chicken look incredibly close visually. Uh, but I get the vibe that Robot Chicken is intentionally shitty, whereas I really don't feel like that for Modoc. Like, the, the characters are just, like, a little bit more refined in a way that makes me think that they're going it, for, like, kind of artsy. It gave me very, um, oh, God, what, what is it? Hanna-Barbera? It, yeah. ga- it gave me the, not, no, 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 not Hanna-Barbera. Um, those old, the 60s Christmas specials, the claymation specials, Year Without a Santa Claus. Oh, R- Rankin-Bass. Franken-Bass? Rankin-Bass. Rankin-Bass, Rankin-Bass. <laughs> Sorry, estate of Rankin-Bass. <laughs> yeah, it, ga- it gave me those vibes. And I think I that- I missed a white Christmas. No, I, th- I think that, like, for the tone of that show, which is kind of- claymated <laughs> i think it works very well you know the other thing i just realized is uh robot chicken when they make a doll they will use it for literally 20 seconds of content and then never again so they really shouldn't put that much detail into their fucking <laughs> arnold schwarzenegger doll who's in this one sketch hey you never know he could come back 15 years later <laughs> <laughs> um they're definitely all sitting in a pile somewhere I would love to see that <laughs> warehouse of just dead robot chicken figures. Uh, so when I saw the ads for Modoc, I was like, a, a little bit of Marvel fatigue set in. And I was also like, oh, great, robot chicken. Like, so it, it just gave me a bad first impression. But I kept watching because Modoc's face was so grotesque. I like couldn't look away. And then the energy of the uh, the promo won me over. It was like very fun energy they weren't trying to be just like raunchy and mean with it i think the advertising for these shows has gotten worse than ever because i looked at this joseph looked at this we all we looked at this and we were like this is gonna be poopy (laughs) (laughs) doo-doo like and i thought the same thing with the harley quinn cartoon and that's turned out to be one of the best of all time invincibles invincibles advertisement does not describe the show at all it describes the superhero aspect it made it look like the most generic show i would ever see yeah not about like, you know fathers betraying sons <laughs> like th- they should have hinted at it a little bit like because it was straight up just like mark was a regular teenager until he realized he has a special power <laughs> <laughs> and boy does it go downhill from there like th- there should have been like one little twist in the ad that wasn't there like one little like i don't know a little bit of foreshadowing point is advertisement is getting worse than ever on these shows and i think were you trying were you trying to target (laughs) six-year-olds it um it seems as if um like i don't know targeted facebook ads are very very bad for like anything and everything they're particularly bad with cartoons. Yes. Like, I... Honestly, we need to start going with our opposite instinct. Like, if you see a shitty, shitty ad for something on Facebook, it's probably a masterpiece. (laughs) 
So talking about Modoc, what do you think of the actual show, like the writing? I think that Pat Oswalt is like I, I feel so good for Pat Oswalt moving into this like nice little role of voice acting like later yeah. on. Um obviously the cast is amazing. Uh the son is th- th- that kind of character does get on my nerves after a little bit. He didn't. I like the oh. son throughout. Um and like the and that's that's Ben Schwartz who <laughs> funny enough the Parks and Rec character, I hated him right off the bat, like that same kind of annoyingness. But loved Lewis, loved um Love the daughter. What's the daughter's name? Young, young Mode Modoc. Um, <laughs> uh, mechanical organism daughter. <laughs> Making Modoc a regular schmuck was perfect. Like we we really are starting to come full circle with Marvel, where it's just like, yeah, this is most of this content is ridiculous. Let's let's lean into it. Yeah, get crazy. I love it. Get crazy and, like, make a joke out of it. Like, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it is one of the funniest cartoons I have watched in a while. So my, my only criticism of the show is, like, it's got that writer humor where, like, every character is witty. Like, every character is quipping all the time. Yes. Um, it's very high joke per minute. Which you know, it's 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 very funny. I like the show a lot, but it's it loses a little bit of that sincerity because everyone is a clever asshole, <laughs> including the like ten year old son. He made a he made a joke about like the the ten year old son at one point is like, oh, I'm gonna be given hand jobs in the in a jail cell. It's like you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love the over overly matured child. <laughs> but it's just everyone has a writer's voice. Yes, everyone. Everyone is a little too, uh, besides Modoc, obviously, everybody's a little too quippy. Not that that ever, you know. No, it's a trade-off. Yeah, we're, <laughs> it's being too entertaining. God damn it. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> Build some story here. But no, I dig, I dig Modoc. What I, I like Harley Quinn more. Um, Harley Quinn's a better show, in my opinion. And it's try, it's trying to do more. And it succeeds. Like, it is one of the very few things you see with, like, legitimately good, at, le- at least, like, in cartoons, legitimately good female protagonists. Yeah, I think so. I feel uh, qualified to say that. I, li- <laughs> I like the anti-hero aspect. Like... I could have totally seen that show just being Harley Quinn fucking around and, you know, causing chaos. And that would have been a very bad show. But I like that, you know, they hook her up with Poison Ivy, who really is not a villain in any way, shape, or form. Like, she just has different priorities than the rest of us. Yeah. Um, you know, and, like, that that show... Speaking on the quippiness of Modoc, that show I think had the right amount of quip. Harley was funny, but she wasn't always joking. Um, Ivy's kind of the straight woman. Tony Hale as uh, Doctor Weird is fucking hilarious. <laughs> He's, great. He's the funniest part of that show. 
And half of it is just Tony Hale's voice, but <laughs> fuck, he's funny. Yeah. C- Clay, like, Clayface and King Shark are, are nice. Yeah, they, they do they're, enough. They're fun to have around. Yeah. Comparing the dialogue of Modoc and Harley Quinn, I think that's exactly what I was getting at. Modoc, everything is a quip. Everything is a line. It's all too a, a little too clever. Whereas Harley Quinn has surprisingly natural dialogue where like she will just be like what the fuck like <laughs> in the right place just like it has that guttural where modok would say something way too smart <laughs> this is worse than the time i <laughs> that's, that's what i think solar opposites is good at their dialogue is very na- they're not afraid of just like when someone gets mauled by a wolf they're like oh fuck oh oh shit oh god oh, fuck shit god damn it no <laughs> <laughs> No, to, bre- um, to break down, de- Modoc has a couple of good breakdowns, but not enough good breakdowns. <laughs> yeah. Like, you never, you never see the daughter really have a freak out. I would have loved to see it in, like, you know, at least one of those, but. <laughs> Spawn of Modoc is a really interesting premise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love that one kid came out a kid and the other came out Modoc. <laughs> yeah, he's like that. I, I mean, I guess he is a human in that show. Like, you see him as a child. He's, he's, he's naturally born. And I forget, and they've obviously changed the backstory a couple of times, but I forget if Modoc was just a creation or just someone... <laughs> I don't know if Modoc, like, Genesis himself kind of thing. One of those I- robot types... I feel like if if he weren't a lab creation, his name wouldn't be Modoc. It would be like Matt. <laughs> yeah, Matty Modoc. <laughs> uh, also, touching on the the anti the antihero aspect of Harley Quinn, I think that universe does a really good job of. So, an antihero should be ambiguous. A lot of people interpret that as, "Oh, yeah, so the antihero is actually the good guy." It's like, no, no, no. No, they're they're kind of ambiguous. The good guys are still good. The bad guys are still bad. And I think Harley Quinn has a good, like, Batman is still unabashedly good. Joker's still unabashedly bad. And Harley Quinn is an antihero. She's not a good guy where Batman's the real bad guy. Uh, That's what I was afraid of with that kind of show. It's like, oh, Batman's the real corrupt one. Yeah, they could have leaned into the stupid, like, the good guys are actually the bad ones. (laughs) You know, fuck the system. Which, like, uh, that's boring. Yeah, the, give me, the, give me, give me a gray area character whose intentions I can kind of feel out, but obviously, you know, like Omni Man. Yes. Y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The most, you know, <laughs> morally gray. The most morally gray, um, open-minded, you know, kind of wild card of a character you'll ever see. And that, you know, a good antihero is relatable, and who's more relatable than Omni-Man? I mean, (laughs) I view everyone as ants. I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) There's a really good scene in Harley Quinn where uh, Joker drops Harley out of a plane uh, to distract Batman, and then Batman saves her, and it's just like, again with this? Oh, no, the the fact that they make Batman into, like, at times, like, the supportive friend... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like he knows he knows that she's not evil. Like Joker yeah. is unabashedly evil. Harley Quinn's actually a person. And let me just say Kaylee Cuoco 
doing a fine job of redeeming herself after, you know, the Big Bang Schmeary. <laughs> She's also in that other show about a flight attendant. I think it's called The Flight Attendant. Is it? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's an HBO show. Kuo Kuo. Yeah. Kuo Kuo. <laughs> <laughs> Kaylee Cockers. <laughs> In her filmography, it is indeed called The Flight Attendant. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a murder mystery. I-, I am always down for an actor who... I'll always forgive a Twilight or a Big Bang Theory. Oh, no. Or... If if you rob Pattinson your shit, um, you know. There's... And Kristen Stewart, too. They both wanted nothing to do with that movie. There's a way to get into Hollywood, and unfortunately, that's one of the ways. And sometimes <laughs> really talented actors and actresses have to do that. I don't blame them. Make, you know, I forget who says it. It's like, you know, make your, make your piece of shit pop movie, then make the artsy one. That's how, that's, how, that's how you keep a career. One for you, one for them. Yeah. Uh, speaking of actors settling down into nice, cushy roles, uh, Mark Hamill has become quite a prolific voice actor. He's Joker in Batman the Animated Series, and he's also the tailor in Invincible. We were talking about how his voice carries a little too much weight to just be the tailor. Like it's Absolutely. a it's a good it's a good important character, but like that's one of those guys who you're like. Wait, that's that's Mark Hamill. <laughs> like yeah, you're it, thinking it, more about the fact that it's Mark Hamill than you know the the character's function. It took me out of it, and he was acting up a storm. But it's almost like the character's face wasn't that expressive. Yeah, the voice didn't match the body. No, yeah, you're right. It was very. You could tell Hamill was going hard, <laughs> and like this character just does not emote that the much. Face is like mildly upset. Exactly. <laughs> Um, he's a murderer. <laughs> you wanna you wanna take a seat or something? Maybe a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Throws bar rag over shoulder. <laughs> That's what that voice was. It was the bartender, not a tailor. He does serve drinks more than he tailors in the series, <laughs> <laughs> and does both things out of fear of being murdered. <laughs> This is the part where I gush about Invincible. Its art style is, I think, intentionally generic. It just reads as superhero show. It's uh, it, it's comic inspired, straight up, Thin, thinner lines. <laughs> yeah, because you got to have that on TV. But it it is it uses animation. The worst thing you could do as an animated show is when you have to ask why is this animated. But Invincible really uses the fact that it's a cartoon you could do anything one scene i love in particular is when omni-man is having beers with the tailor when omni-man goes to hand him the last beer he holds on for like a second too long and like you can see him tug and just the weight in that pull on the beer was so terrifying <laughs> like handing someone a beer and not letting them have it <laughs> it's i i love any character and like homelander obviously falls under this category i love the character that is just a nuclear bomb and it is 
their decision whether you live or die. <laughs> like, anytime you are in the room with this person, he, he it's God. Like, he can literally just decide to end your life like that. There's nothing you can do at all. And it makes it into this, you know, tense-ass game. And I love a good character like that, especially when he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I love about Invincible is... uh Whenever they do superhero things, it typically has a negative effect on regular people. I'm thinking about when he chucks the garbage into space and then it comes back down and hits someone. And like, you know, they're having catch with a baseball and it's like it took off a chunk of a building and they just don't give a shit. Um, Those like that happens so much in the show. Anytime it's like, whoa, I'm going to throw this a million miles away. They'd like cut to a family in China being obliterated. I mean, you do have the horrifying scene where he just takes him and bursts through the the train station, the subway car, like, and just, you know, rips these people apart. That is apparently an addition that was not in the comics. I mean, point taken. (laughs) (laughs) I was telling people about that as an example of the way they communicate the message that people do not mean anything to them. He was pushing him through people. Through people. (laughs) (laughs) These are ants! I want you to look at it! <laughs> look at it! Look at it! Look at it! I want all of you to look at it! Invincible easily gave the best memes of any of these shows. Look what they need to imitate a fraction of our power. <laughs> best one I've seen so far, it's like a couple of laxatives, and Taco Bell is looking at it. <laughs> the think mark will will be around forever that's just (laughs) (laughs) angry dad (laughs) yelling at son (laughs) and uh shout out to the soundtrack on that show particularly the mauler twins every time they got into some shit and um fucking run the jewels was playing that's i i dig any show that has you know that like not dubstep, but that, like, you know, freaking <laughs> shit's going down. Hit the bass. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I, I would love that as as a musical group. It's like, you two are the essence of, like, bro energy. <laughs> we picked you <laughs> for every time these twins are on scene. Yeah. Uh, clones. <laughs> these are basically the blue, bulky alien versions of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker for any time we explore the ramifications of cloning so i love the molar twins and i love robot i can't wait to see more of just simple questions like when robots consciousness is transferred into a body did the original die the show says yes yes that is a dead person yeah um which by the way another just tragic scene like the this this comic book had this comic show had so many tragic scenes (laughs) it hits you in the feels (laughs) The low-key thing that, like, really got me was, like, the best friend's crush who gets abducted and turned into a fucking... Like, that was just disgusting to me. (laughs) Like, you don't... Like, I think not a lot of people realize, like, oh, this is bad for the best friend, but, like, a kid got murdered. Like... He just got abducted and murdered one night. Effectively murdered. Yeah, he's brain dead. Yeah. Like, 
that I and I loved the fact that they kept that scientist dude alive after being hit in the face by Invincible. <laughs> like, yeah, you deserve it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I'm disgusted even talking to you. The, the show has a good contempt for lackeys. Uh, another good example is who's. He's not the president. I don't know any of these characters' names. Uh, Cyril. Cyril, the assistant. No, no, no. The, oh, well, Cyril's assistant. Cyril's assistant. Oh, the one who freaking goes out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love how Omni-Man, like, once he drops the facade, he's like, I, I always fucking hated you. <laughs> you particular. <laughs> Just that co-worker feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking cock. <laughs> You've always been a dick. <laughs> Unrelated to what's going on right now. <laughs> Put all our differences aside. You're a dick. And now I'm going to kill you. And now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> can, I, uh, can I get political? Yes. Uh, or really, I'm going to get... I'm going to explain what is not political. So there is a very tiny, very vocal group of people who are saying the Invincible cartoon made it political. Um, like on the Amazon reviews, if you go to the one stars, most of them are like, I liked the comic better before they got political. And it's like, I, I don't think it is political. They I mean, if like, if we're just making the very loose connection of like Omni-Man is America, like, Wes, <laughs> he's not even, he hates I don't, America. I don't, I don't Cyril's know. the good guy. <laughs> I don't know what... I, I can't think of any, like, true political point they tried to make in that. Cop, the, imp imperialism is bad? I fucking... I don't know. Uh, galactic imperialism, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> Planetary yeah, I mean, domination, you know, all that good stuff. All, all I can think of is, like, they... They go to a soup kitchen, and uh, they had that bit about the city. But the moral was you can't do anything to make change. So I don't know how that's really like an obnoxious <laughs> political statement. Their statement was you cannot fix the problem. Um, yeah, I don't know. They uh, I'm trying to think. They changed the gr the girlfriend was not black in the comics, right? That's what it is. <laughs> that's um, be what it yeah, is. there you go. <laughs> that there's the outrage. <laughs> no, but again, I I don't want to I want to uh. Inflate these things. It's a very vocal minority. Yeah, it's 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 stupid Twitter people. It was just something funny I noticed on the Amazon reviews. They were like, <laughs> "What political?" These are the people who sit down and write Amazon reviews, Terrence. <laughs> they're not they're not the smartest cookies on the on the platter. <laughs> it's just silly because it's like, a everything's political, and b every good superhero movie is political in some way. Yeah. <laughs> What is but the battle of good versus evil, if not political? <laughs> <laughs> in my in my personal opinion, uh, it's not quote unquote too political until you endorse a specific candidate. Um, you definitely have some some heavier fisted uh ones, but I guess there's I guess there's no rule. It's just a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's how I'm feeling. Do I want to get offended by this? Is there a point to be made here? Is it my politics? Is it mine? <laughs> <laughs>
Should I go to the internet? Should I run to the internet with outrage? <laughs> Sounds like angst. Sounds like teenage angst. How about we talk about another teen superhero team, actually? Love it. The Static Shock team. <laughs> <laughs> static Shock and the Lightning Bolts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, Teen let, Titans. Let's, let's talk briefly about not only Teen Titans, but I don't even know what you could call it. A, a spinoff? A reworking? or Reboot. Reboot? <laughs> the god-awful atrocity that is Teen Titans Go. Teen Titans Go. Yeah, so I mean, I cards on the table. Teen Titans was one of my favorites growing up. Like, I would legitimately uh, watch it every Saturday. And like, if we were out, if my family was out, I'd be like, Dad, we got to get home for Teen <laughs> Titans. Dad, please. Do, is there a TV here? I got to watch Teen Titans. <laughs> it was a shockingly gripping show. Like, you were coming back. Like, Slade was one of the best villains I would say in any superhero media. Like, that, he was a bad motherfucker. Absolutely. Um, love the design, love the voice. Hate the fact they can't call him Deathstroke, but... <laughs> I like Slade better. Slade is more realistic, but, like... <laughs> Slade. <laughs> he doesn't act like Deathstroke. Like, Deathstroke gives me samurai vibes, whereas Slade will just punch you. <laughs> Slade's a lot more like a hunk of meat, like a very smart hunk of meat. Yeah, he's he's what Joe um Man Mangiola Mangiola, I think. What what the Deathstroke in in Zack Snyder's Justice League was like. That's basically him. Like that that is him under the mask. <laughs> the and oh, by the way, my young child brain, the fact that Slade like never took off the mask, that was, you know, just blowing my mind. I'm like, who is he? Who is he? I want to see him without it. <laughs> so Robin triumphs over Slade, and then there's a tremendous arc where he hallucinates Slade. You see that episode? Yes. No, the psychological games that Slade played, and the way he tortured Robin in particular, like th this was a truly great rivalry. It, it, I liked the scope of it because Slade, I don't think, was after world domination. Uh, he might have wanted to level the city. Yeah, he's um, a city villain. He mostly just wanted to fuck with Robin. <laughs> what do you want to cause pain in this young boy? <laughs> I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> and then they went so hard with the cyborg stories. Like there were there were a couple of arcs. First, it was Slade. Um, there were a bunch of episodes where Cyborg joins the Hive Academy. Remember that? That I that I forget. Refresh me on that. He was in there as like a spy, and he was wearing this cloaking device that made him look like not a robot. And he got so used to just socializing like a normal person, as a person. He he, he didn't want to leave. It was so emotionally good. That's one of the um, things you got to play up with Cyborg, like the way we saw in Snyder's Justice League. He is he is a classic. You you think you're a monster? I can give you your great life back before, but ulti but the ultimate rejection, you know, and the 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 embracing of the self. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, in the Snyder cut, it that story was implied. 
And it was enough for me to be like, yeah. Nice. <laughs> the mother boxes now. There was a great, uh, really cheesy but effective episode where um, Cyborg realizes that he can't, a- as a machine, he can't work out anymore. Like he has a, a mechanical limit to what he can do and he can't mm-hmm. grow anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he and Beast Boy are playing uh, Smash Bros, basically. And uh, he's like, I can still push myself in the video game. And then uh, lightning strikes or something, who cares? And then the video game character comes out of the TV and he starts to beat the shit out of Cyborg. <laughs> <you know>? like, <laughs> um, the, then he goes and has a workout scene and the the big thing in the episode is like no i can give 110 percent, and he does and he overpowers him and it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're more man than machine it, it gets me every time it's always the same story <laughs> <laughs> you still have a soul good for you <laughs> <laughs> at least that wasn't ripped out of your body <laughs> <laughs> you fucking metal freak but now the um Love the dynamic of Beast Boy and Cyborg and that. Um, Starfire was always a good love interest. It was, you know, enough of the will they, won't they. Respect for Raven, even though, you know, I was at, when I was first watching that show, she was kind of my least favorite just because, like, thought she was kind of boring. But, you know, she's brooding. She's Raven. That's so <laughs> Raven. That's so Raven. <laughs> Towards the end of the show, the final arc is Raven's father, the devil, is uh, coming to end the world. So she becomes super important, and uh, Robin kind of, they, they become a lot closer, Raven and Robin, towards the end of the show. That was a good arc, the, the versus the dad thing. The, that, uh, they pull that out a lot, especially in the comic books, because like, her father is the devil. But <laughs> He's like the devil. I think his name's Trigon. There is, I forget which cartoon it is, but there is a Justice League. I think it, it might just be the Justice League cartoon. The Justice League. Where, like, they summon her dad to beat up Darkseid. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great little <laughs> fighting of the... And, oh, by the way, real quick, the Darkseid in Harley Quinn is, like, I love the fact that he's not really scary at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's kind of indifferent to all this. <laughs> it's like, oh, if you'll... Oh, pledge allegiance, I'll give you an army. I don't care, I give everybody an army. <laughs> <laughs> indifference is so much more of a power move than hatred. Yes. No, because Dark's, <laughs> you know, it's Lord Darkseid. Why does he care? He's conquered a thousand worlds. <laughs> Sorry, hundred thousand worlds. With his lieutenant and one of my favorite DC villains, and I'm so glad they included her in the show, Granny Goodness. <laughs> That's just, I, how can you not like that? <laughs> That's DC at its best. <laughs> yes. That is DC IP at its finest. <laughs> Teen Titans had a bunch of really good villains. Uh, there was one called Mad Mod, and... He just traps you in his super trippy 60s English mansion and trippy visuals play out for an hour. There was also Control Freak. He's like a neckbeard with a magical TV remote. He sucks you into the TV where he has ultimate power. And they had their own granny. I'm not sure if she was called Granny Goodness, but like Cyborg buys a haunted pie and they fight a uh, 
a witch for an episode. Just really interesting villain of the week. Well, remember the, uh, it's like the Queen of Fairy Tales or something like that? Is that her name from Harley Quinn? She traps the Justice League in a book. (laughs) (laughs) DC in particular goes hard on the magic as opposed to science. Yes, they're ve- they're very versus each other, and Marvel just outright stated that like science is just magic, or magic is just science that we don't understand. <laughs> Marvel's magic is spell books, whereas DC's magic is fairy tales. Yes, their magic is like actual magic. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Doctor Strange could, like, explain to you how everything happens, (laughs) what he does. (laughs) The DC would just be like, you know, I say the words and it happens. (laughs) (laughs) How does it happen? Magic force. (laughs) You know, the the magic force. (laughs) See, clearly I I don't have enough good things to say about Teen Titans. Um, I'm, I'm... I try not to be nostalgia blind. It um it really leaned into the early anime thing. Like they would just make anime faces in a way that I think would be cringy now. Um and they also played up the teenager aspect in a way that ages it very poorly where it's like, dude, so lame. I don't think that's unironically good, but I think it's cheesy and fun. Hang on, I'm looking up the queen of I need I need to know this. Queen of Fairy tales? Queen of fables. That's it. Mm. <laughs> and fables describes magic in that universe perfectly. <laughs> That's cooler. It's fabled. I can't wait for Shazam 2 with uh, Dr. Worm. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that brings us to Teen Titans Go, the reboot. Teen Titans Go was like was basically if the writers of Teen Titans like lost a bet to their kids and had to do everything their kids told them to do in the show. That's very apt. Um, it's my only explanation. <laughs> I, I remember, you know, I was, I was way too old for it when it came out, so I'm not going to, you know, pretend like, oh, I sat down to watch it expecting it to be great. <laughs> but... um. Uh, I remember thinking, like, I don't think kids would even like this. Like, who'd watch this? But lo and behold, my cousins come over for Christmas. They specifically demand Teen Titans Go. Like, kids, in my experience, fucking love it. Yeah, no, to me, it's literally like you you just spooned yourself a couple of things of just straight sugar, and now you're, like, really sick and about to vomit. (laughs) The show is a sugar rush. The show is no attention span. It's it's like ADD the the cartoon. <laughs> and it's not funny. Like it's really not. It's really bland. <laughs> um it's it's legit like early internet humor like waffles. LOL XD random. <laughs> um it is like kids wrote it and it dominated Cartoon Network. Like if you look at the schedule of Cartoon Network from like 2017 to like 2019 and this is also part of tv just being a dying medium it's like it's like ridiculousness on mtv (laughs) they played teen titans go legitimately like three days straight it it was something crazy like 80 percent of their networking was just teen titans go 
and you know that nobody was in the studio at all that time. They literally just pressed play and walked out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be moralistic about it. I'm not trying to say kids shouldn't watch it, but it is a kid's show, and, and it's not anything more. <laughs> it's a kid's show that... If, if the original Teen Titans hadn't come out, I would not give it a second thought. The fact that there is a Teen Titans formerly on Cartoon Network puts the bar, like, it, it, it establishes a bar. Yeah. <laughs> and this show does not fucking come close. Yeah. <laughs> so another show from my childhood is uh, Static Shock. Static Shock, WB. I never watched a ton of WB, and I think that's why I never really got into Static Shock. Yeah, I was also pretty brand loyal. Um, I don't know how I ended up there, but uh, I think Static would be on Cartoon Network sometimes. Reruns? Yeah, sometimes you get it on Cartoon uh-huh. Network. I, th- <laughs> I think it was on WB for Yu-Gi-Oh. Come for the Yu-Gi-Oh, stay for the Static Shock. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um. I remember that- when Pinky and the Brain was WB. <laughs> <laughs> Freakazoid, is that superhero? No. <laughs> um, no, the, the writers of that show created Freakazoid. It cannot, it cannot qualify as, as our <laughs> superhero uh, cartoon list. Static Shock is a show with a good heart. And I think Static himself is a really fucking cool design. It looks like him flying around the city on his metal disc is as iconic to me as like Spider-Man doing the web slinging. Like he looks so cool just flying around. Oh no, he the design is is dope. Like he he was probably the cool he he was the cool superhero for kids, like cartoon wise. <laughs> and it's the show prides itself on being a good role model. Um, it gets cheesy in some respects, but uh, I I think it nailed it. Yeah, I mean... It's not something an adult would watch and be like, huh, I never thought about it. <laughs> I never thought no, about but it. <laughs> no, but it taught kids about, like, school shootings and stuff like that, and They that's... would go there. They would absolutely go there. They would, like, directly address racism and school shootings. And... That's what these, like, that. well, that was Columbine. That's why you had all of these shows doing that. But, no, it was all, like, it's it's a good Saturday morning cartoon. And, and just, like, cool, it was a cool little universe. There was a gang war one night, and then nuclear waste got dropped. So everyone who was at that site is now called a bang baby, uh, like the Big Bang. And they've, uh, <laughs> and they've all got superpowers. And Virgil, who's actually a good kid, was happened to be there one night, and now he's like kind of scarred for life from that because he has superpowers. <laughs> um, like it, it's it's cool. It's a cool setup because if you have superpowers, it means you were at that gang war. Yes, you are um, marked. So some random things I remember from that show. Rubber Band Man was his like adult friend. <laughs> and, if, uh, if only he could have been voiced by T.I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a great episode about Rubber Band Man overcoming his dyslexia. <laughs> Just say that sentence again. <laughs> <laughs> there was a tremendous episode about Rubber Band Man overcoming his dyslexia. He has to disarm a bomb uh, and he can't read the instructions well because he's dyslexic. and he like reflects it off of his rubber skin and he's like oh it makes more sense this way wait seven words too long for clockwise must be counterclockwise 
And he defuses the bomb. <laughs> He's fucking cheating. He's literally using his superpower to overcome dyslexia. What kind of yeah, a message is that for kids? There, there's alternative testing. Um, you know, you do what you got to do. You need something to help you read. Get a mirror. Carry what, a around a mirror. <laughs> glasses cheating? No, but they're literally not. They don't flip the words for you. <laughs> I'm not sure that particular instance is helpful, but Static Shock is also the kind of show like they legitimately like two minutes after the episode, Rubber Band Man would be like, hey, kids, we had a lot of fun today. If you're dyslexic, <laughs> call if this hotline. If you're dyslexic from me, call this hotline. But yeah, I think Static's back in some form or other. People are always hyped for Static. He's cooler. He feels like he never got his big break, but like people love Static himself. Yes, the show never took off as much as the character did. What else is there? Like, so... That's about it for me. I mean, aside from like Crypto the Superdog, that was a good one. <laughs> we did not mention, it's got to be on the list, Batman Beyond. Yes. Is that futuristic Batman? Yes. That's future young Batman guided by old Bruce Wayne. Um, that had some of the best villain lineups of like any fucking show. And that had, dare I say, the creepiest Joker who was kind of like built like a gorilla almost like he was like he that uh that joker was basically the ultimate version of the green goblin you know like sometimes he has a suit sometimes he's just like a literal monster goblin man <laughs> yes you were either a static shock fan or batman beyond fan <laughs> for the wb <laughs> It's such and, a rad premise. And I definitely fell more on the Batman Beyond thing. Just because, yeah. like, I knew Batman. This was, like, a fun, fresh take on Batman. Um, kind of gave, like, a little bit of a Spider-Man aspect to him, honestly. Like, this, this was finally, like, a young, scrappy Batman rather than old, chiseled Batman. <laughs> yeah, right. Of Harley Quinn fame. Should we talk about the Harley Quinn controversy? Ooh, <laughs> haven't mentioned that. I didn't know there was controversy. T they took out the cunnilingus scene. You heard about this. From the show? So in the third season of Harley Quinn, there was going to be a scene where Batman was eating out Catwoman. And they cut it. And oh. people found out and were pissed. <laughs> they cut straight sex. <laughs> They they came up, they came out with the hashtag let the bat eat cat. <laughs> Perfect. That that's better than the controversy itself. I'm so glad this happened so we could get that phrase out there. Let the bat eat cat. I I'll sign that petition. Uh, me too. I already signed it. Mr. DC, I will formally acquire a DC subscription service if <laughs> I like how it's Mr. DC. Like, if it was Marvel, you'd say somebody like uh, Stan Lee. <laughs> like, hey, Stan Lee. But no, it's just, hey, uh, DC. <laughs> Zack Snyder, are you in charge? Uh, <laughs> Mr. Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby did more work than Stan Lee. Let it be known. Like, he was behind way more characters than Stan Lee. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Uh, so the Batman, the animated series, 
Batman Beyond. No, no, no. So you're talking about Batman Beyond, but there was also just Batman. Oh, just Batman. Okay. Again, it's like there's so many iterations. It's like hard to know what to call them. So this is just Batman, the animated series. Mm. Um, I thought it was good. And, And the thing I note about it is I grew up with that Batman who kind of just sounds like a guy. It was weird to me when The Dark Knight came out and suddenly every Batman and every joke about Batman is like, Yeah, I don't know. Like, (laughs) Christian Bale did that, and we don't give him enough shit for that. Like, That was a Christian Bale invention. That's not like a typical Batman thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, this, like, Batman- Before or since has done that. (laughs) Batman should sound like Dietrich Bachman in Harley Quinn. Like it's, it's a little bit of, <laughs> I'm low. I've I'm Batman. He's stoic. Yes. No. He's like <laughs> he is stoic. He's got it under control. Not. Where's Harvey Dent? <laughs> Where's the bomb? Where is it? <laughs> Where is it, Joker? Not. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> you see, like blood is like starting to come out of his eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> But no, the I like the Batman cartoon. Obviously, Mark Hamill is iconic as that Joker voice. Yeah. Um, I still do give the nod to Batman Beyond over it. I found sure, that I mean, definitely a little more interesting. It's a better cartoon. Cooler premise than just Batman is a Batman. Batman doing Batman things in Gotham City, doing Gotham things. Ooh, all right, so how about for the lovely listeners, we, uh, we rank these bad boys. Sure. So number one is the 1960s Fantastic Four. Easy. <laughs> a wooden gun! You tricked me with a wooden gun! <laughs> I couldn't control your gun! You made me lose my magnetism! You're wrong. Your magnetic power only works on metal, like all magnets. But my gun isn't real. I made it out of wood. A wooden gun? Take him away, man. He tricked me with a wooden gun. <laughs> it's not the 60s. It's like the 90s. <laughs> Is, no. Yes. The 90s one was no. <laughs> yes. Those Avengers cartoons are like late 80s, early 90s. I'd believe 80s. I wouldn't believe 90s. By 90s, <laughs> we had good X-Men. Editor's note, Christian is right. It was in 1991. A wooden gun? <laughs> That's the, that we need to, a quick acknowledgement. That is the greatest uh, scene in any superhero cartoon. It will not make the real list, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, it I'll is. Put, I'll put a link. It is the best scene of all time in a superhero cartoon. Barna. Link, link in the description. Uh, Mr. Fantastic fools magneto into thinking he's lost his powers by making a gun out of wood and painting it like a real gun magneto does not think to try his powers (laughs) on anything else (laughs) he tries his powers on the gun and he concludes you must have taken away all of my power (laughs) but how (laughs) well magneto it was a wooden gun Magneto's ego is crushed. Don't you get it? <laughs> <laughs> After he realizes that, you know, 
he still has his powers. He doesn't just, you know, take the cops' guns and just kill them all, but... <laughs> how, how could he? He was handcuffed. <laughs> Magneto needs his hands to, you know, conduct metal, Ooh. right? Whoa! <laughs> and he wasn't a cop car, but the car has rubber tires, so Magneto can't uh, work with that. Uh, nothing, n- <laughs> nothing around the tires matter, just so long as they are touching, by extension, something rubber. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a stupid thing with the powers, but I gotta, I, I can't. <laughs> oh shit, is that a, is that a tinfoil helmet? I, I, my powers don't work with that. <laughs> 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 Boy. All right, man. So let's tag it, bag it, sell it to the butcher. Now, ladies and gents, we uh, retreat into the back room for several hours of deliberation. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're back. Uh, I'm here with the results. We're standing bloodied. Our clothes are torn. It's like we've just been in a massive fight with a big supervillain, but instead we've just clawed each other's eyes out. And the Oscar for Best Animated Superhero Adaptation is... The envelope. Number five, Modoc. Number four, Teen Titans. Number three, Batman Beyond. Number two, Invincible. And number one, we gotta give it up to the very talented Harley Quinn. Ladies and gentlemen, Harley Quinn, everybody. (laughs) Your We Love List's best superhero cartoon. (laughs) And and this bears some explanation. Um, Invincible blew my mind, but not in a way that felt particularly new it was just really well executed tragedy um you know it was it was basically standard superhero fare except like they went further than you typically would whereas harley quinn it's been on the air longer and it's just the the, it's just really funny and really refreshing in a way i haven't seen it in a while I, i was not expecting harley quinn to be nearly as good as it is no i was shocked it's it's really the realest characters we have of any of these superhero cartoons like these are true people it's a fun journey you don't know where it's going you know like shout out kaylee cuoco lake bell i forget who the hell directs it hold on let me look at that (laughs) (laughs) who the hell directed this oh i guess it doesn't really have a director oh justin halpern (laughs) justin halpern shit my dad says are you serious? Yes, I shit you not. Justin Halpern you. is one of the developers of the Harley Quinn series. Wow, that's a glow up. This this <laughs> fucking podcast it comes full circle, man. I'm I'm glad he's doing well. <laughs> I'm glad he's doing better. <laughs> the only way this uh, this podcast could come more full circle is if we imagine him leading a human centipede. <laughs> You can all eat Justin Halpern's shit that his dad says. <laughs> so our list, our, our top five is uh, where you are in the human centipede, all the directors of these shows. 
<laughs> and good for you, Halpern. You're number one. <laughs> no, no butt on your mouth. Good, good job. No notes for you. Please direct your hate mail to our Twitter at We Love Lists Pod. Uh, it's We Love Lists underscore Pod. Uh, let us know if you want us to list anything else. Give us some suggestions, people. We'll we will list your best suggestions. We'll make a fucking list out of that. We're crazy. Can't stop us. We're just gonna keep listing things. For Christian McCartney, I've been Terry Kleins. This has been We Love Lists. Good night, everybody. Hey.